Hi and good afternoon and welcome to our Holy Week service for today on Monday, Thursday. I want to welcome you here in our sanctuary, welcome you uh, if you're watching by live stream. If, our, if any of our Southside folks are, are watching today's Southside Day, and if any of our Southside folks are, are watching by live, uh, via live stream, then I want to say uh, greetings to you from Andy Arnell. And I have to give him grief. He's on vacation this week, and I thought, how in the world could you do this to me on Holy Week? No, he's having a great time, and he and his family uh, love Southside. And so greetings from Pastor Andy. Um, I also want to just uh, invite anyone who is watching today, anyone who, who needs a place to go, um, for Monday Thursday communion. At 6 o'clock tonight, we'll have our Monday Thursday Holy Communion service. It's, it's always a special time for me. And uh, Pastor Matt and I were talking about how, how important Holy Week is to, to just walk all the way on the journey with Jesus and not just try to jump to Easter. So come and, and join us uh, tonight if you, if you don't already have a place to go. Um, we are grateful that you're with us. We're grateful to get to worship together today. And we are about to sing uh, one of my favorite Charles Wesley hymns, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Will you stand?
may be seated. It's our privilege to get to pray together with you today and also to pray for you. If you have a prayer request and you're in here in the sanctuary, you can jot it down on a piece of paper, put it in one of the offering plates at, at either of these doors, and we will pass it along to our prayer team. If you would like to send us one by email, fumcgadston.org, you can email it to us or you can, you can put it in the comment section on our Facebook Live page and we will make sure that, that we pray for you. Uh, we also love to hear about the joys and the celebrations you have. If you have an answer to prayer, we'll celebrate with you. We want to remember on this beautiful sunshiny day that our friends over in Ohatchee are still picking up the pieces from the storm and we need to help any way that we can. If you can give uh, through UMCOR or if you can volunteer, if you'll call me, I, have, I can let you know how you can volunteer and help. We have uh, tried to help ourselves, and we'll continue to. So let's remember them in prayer. Will you pray with me now? Gracious God, we thank you on this Monday, Thursday, that we have a chance to worship together at noon to just take a few minutes out of our normal day and to give our attention to you, to what your Holy Spirit would say to us through this time of worship. I pray your spirit would anoint Pastor Matt as he comes to deliver the message in a few minutes. I pray, Lord, that you would receive uh, our hearts and our prayers. The needs that we have, Lord, sometimes it's a heavy load that we carry but we know that we can cast our cares on you and that we can trust you with the needs of our most precious loved ones even as we trust you with our own lives. And Lord, we pray for our friends and neighbors who are struggling right now from storm damage. We pray for our friends and neighbors, Lord, who have damage on the inside of their hearts, who are anxious and who are depressed and who are lonely. We pray, Lord, that your presence, your strong presence would be real to them right now, that they would know how much you love them. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, we have a, a special treat for our music today, and Pastor Matt and his sweet daughter are going to provide for us. To the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known okay. 
He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he sings to me within my heart is ringing and he walks stay in the garden with him though the night around me is falling but he bids me go through the voice of woe his voice to me is calling and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known and the joy we share precious hymn. It is one of our all-time favorites, and so thank you so much for giving that to us. I, I get to introduce to you today my friend, Pastor Matt Smith from Southside, and I, I need to just tell you uh, what, what kind of guy this guy is. I had forgotten that today is April the 1st until I got a text from this guy earlier this morning, and he said, Something's coming up, and I can't, I can't come in. I can't make it today, and I like, I'm having, a, I'm literally having a heart attack. And then he said, "April Fools." He did say it quickly. He, he said it quickly. And I, I want you to know, I passed along the joy this morning because uh, I, I tried to get Andy Yarnell. I texted Andy, and I said, "Andy, the district superintendent just called, and you're moving this year." <laughs> He did not take the bait. He did not take the bait. A few minutes later, he texted back and said, my dream come true. <laughs> so I can't get anybody today. They just get me. All right. Uh, we're so happy to get to hear from our, our friends and neighbors this week uh, for, for Holy Week. And so, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, it's uh, it is a, a blessing, and I thank you for uh, allowing uh, me to be here. Thank you, Sam. And and our connections do run deep. Uh, 
with Southside. Uh, not only, you know, Andy was there for a little while, but, uh, and, and he should, if anyone should be gotten for April Fool's, it should be Andy. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep working on that. But, um, you know, I look down at the order of worship and I see the name McNair. And I automatically say, okay, because I'm used to seeing a McNair in our order of worship, but it's not Benny, it's Barry, Benny's brother. And you may know that, but uh, they are both uh, excellent. Well, excellent doesn't even describe it, the, the kind of musicians they are. Uh, it's a, a, a rare gift. And that beautiful piano, I was uh, very hesitant to even play that after hearing him play. Um, I'm not a piano player, but you know, we, we have fun and we try to do things. I'm sorry, my, I misplaced my, my notes, so I'm looking them up as I speak. There we go. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't have notes, so no. Um, and then I don't mean to be uh, political off the bat, but I firmly believe that opening day uh, should be a national holiday, opening day of baseball, I'll say that. And um, I won't go to the designated hitter right now, but the Braves don't play until about two o'clock, so this is how you were able to have me here today. Uh, so my, my sermon will, will stay under an hour. That's, the, that's your April Fool's, and I'll stop there. But thank you for being here. Hear the word of the Lord uh, from the fourth gospel. John's account of the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, saying, I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It probably is not the first thing you think when you see me, especially these days. You don't look and say, boy, I bet he's a runner. 
But there has been a time when I used to run. I used to enjoy uh, jogging, running for exercise, and, and really for a, a time of, of therapy, uh, meditation, whatever you want to call it, to, to clear your head. You can get the same effect from a, a nice long walk, uh, sitting on the patio, listening to the birds for a little while, whatever it takes. To, it gives you some peace. And, and though I did want to get some exercise from it, so I had, you know, uh, measurable goals. I would run down to the uh, Walgreens and back twice, or at the time, uh, at another time, there was a dirt road that was about a quarter mile, and uh, it ended right about where the the pack of wild dogs was. And so when I got there, I knew it was time to turn around twice. But by the fourth lap, we'll call it, I would, I would begin to get a little winded because this, this made it about two miles. And uh, even though I was in a little bit of conditioning at the time, the end of that second mile was tough. And I knew the only thing I had to do was to tell myself, keep putting one foot in front of the other, just keep running, just don't quit. If I don't quit, my body will keep going and do the rest for me. I said, just don't quit. You'll be okay. You don't quit. You can't quit anything, right? We, we learned that from a young age. You can't quit this football season once you started. Now, if you quit, that's up to you, but you're going to have to finish the season. I was told that when I was in about seventh grade. Ironically, there was too much running involved in the football, so I wanted to quit. But my father said, no, once you start something, you can't quit. You have to finish that. Then as we grow, we learn of the great quotes and the great speakers through the age. And, of course, Winston Churchill, who's known for many quotes and many things. But one of his best-known quotes, in my opinion, is... Never, ever give up. There's a lot to be said for, for this kind of thinking. A lot to be learned from never giving up, from never surrendering. The term never surrender, or, or shortening it still, no surrender, uh, has, has become a, a kind of a cultural battle cry, you know. It can be for a, a team trying to come from behind, like, say, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, especially when I started watching them, there was uh, loss after loss after loss, and I'd watch the Braves lose at, at about 6 o'clock in the evening, and then I'd, on the weekends, my parents would let me stay up and, and watch the replay of them losing all over again. They would be behind sometimes uh, nine or ten runs, and you pretty much knew it was over then. But sometimes, if you, if you didn't give up, something could happen. And I've lived long enough and watched enough sports that I say now I, anything can happen. You just can't give up. The only way to know that you can't come back from behind and win this game is if you give up. My father 
who told me many things, many sayings, and, and I quote him often, would say the only way to never, to, the only way to be certain that you cannot achieve your dream is to don't try. Just give up. That way you'll know you can't achieve a dream. Otherwise, you're the only one that can stop you. Quitting is something that we don't like to think about. The idea of surrender is, is culturally, and, and even in our, our, our national history, the fabric of our nation, we don't do this. We don't give up. We don't surrender. And I've, I've studied Imperial Japan in college, and, and part of that samurai culture there, they teach that it's the ultimate honor to die in battle fighting to the last breath. And then they teach also that it is the ultimate dishonor to everything you are and everything your family and your nation represent to surrender. Even in our home, my son and I will say, hey, Smiths, don't quit. We're going to get it done. We say it kind of, you know, jokingly and lightheartedly, but we believe we're going to stick with something. We're not going to quit. Even if things get tough, that's no reason to, to give up and surrender. That's one of our most precious sayings as, as humans. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. We don't surrender. And then... Then the God we know, the God we profess, and the God we give our life to follow, completely surrenders himself at this most desperate hour. At the time of his arrest, at the time of his facing persecution, the, the real moment of, of decision he surrenders and it's the greatest show of strength in human history like Jesus loves to do he's given us a, a mind bender a catch 22 uh, the last shall be first you must hate your life in order to gain it. These things that seemingly make no sense until, until you give it a little bit of thought and, and a lot more faith, they begin to make sense. And so today we have an idea that we surrender to be victorious. Well, if, if the last becoming first makes sense, if, if uh, you know... Anything else that he says challenges us, that we have to, to hate our life in this world to gain it, uh, well, then this makes sense too. But it also makes tremendous sense if we've listened to what he's had to say up to this point. He's been trying to, to give us clues and hints and, well, I guess the biblical word is prophecy, that, that he must endure these things, that it has been his his job all along to endure these things and if he doesn't 
if he doesn't do this, then he's giving up on what he's called to do. But it's really now in his surrender that he gets going. If we think it's easy to surrender, think about what he knew would happen next. It was common. It was, it was a, a, a national source of pride almost for the, the Roman Empire, how violently and completely they dealt with troublemakers. Crucifixion was, was everywhere that they, they went and somebody had sinned or somebody had broken the law or, or made fun of Caesar by, I don't know, riding in on a donkey saying, look at me in my red carpet. He, he got their attention. He knew what was going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. He knew he was being betrayed. He knew he would be arrested. And he knew he was going to die. And so at that point, at that point, that is the moment of decision where he says, what am I, am I going to deny this, the cup that I'm supposed to drink? He could have very, very easily said, you know what, Peter? Let's, let's holster up our guns, and this is going to be our stand. Swords, but you know, you know the saying. Uh, they could have formed an army right there. They probably could have escaped arrest and, and, and lived fairly well on the run for a long time. There was plenty of people who would have loved to fight Rome. Plenty of people, Jewish people, who would have loved to fight the, the Jewish synagogue establishment, as I call it, the, the, the temple folk who had really become a very corrupt form of uh, power brokers themselves. It was very, very possible to fight their way out of this. But Jesus knew he had to surrender. He knew it was already in the surrender that, that the mission had begun. And the whole thing had been laid out. All Jesus had to do was follow these steps. And, and there he was in the garden. He just had to give up. But in this case, I believe that surrendering in this moment was probably the hardest thing anybody could ever do. It would have been far easier to, to run, even to fight, but to willingly give himself over to persecution and humiliation and torture. There's nothing easy about surrender there. The human part of Jesus must have hated this idea of just giving up, leaving his people watching him go off when they were depending on him to, to save them, misunderstood though they were, you know they would have been let down when they said, he just, he just went with them. Where's the fight? Where's our Lord that's going to come save us? Christ, the Son of God, in human form, knew it was tough to give up without a fight, but the Son of God in the divine form knew this was 
what must be done. And he knew also that that was the one occasion where surrender becomes strength, that that is the one occasion where his surrender meant the only way to win. When we surrender to the will of the living God in Christ Jesus, we are victors. It goes against almost everything we've been taught and love to say and pride ourselves in believing. And true, many times, maybe most times in this world, surrender is not an option. Surrender could bring shame. Surrender could just be giving up. Not here. And never, never in the life of Christ is surrendering, giving up. As we surrender our will, our life, our faith to Christ Jesus, we gain everything. When we surrender to the life of Christ, our battle is fought and won because he surrendered that night and because of what would happen that next day. But mostly, mostly because of what was found in the tomb the third day. You see, we surrender so we can become champions. There will be battles fought. There will be battles won. We may lose some of the battles in this world. We may come through uh, beat up and bruised though to surrender to this God is a victory on that third day throughout this time this world through their prized fighter death at Jesus everything the tempter had and because of his willingness to surrender on this night, he won. Friends, God invites us to that victory, to the, the invitation to surrender our will unto the Lord's. It's a, a, a submitting to God. It's a letting go of control. It's a, a rather radical idea. But through it comes victory. Through it comes peace. And God invites us to surrender once again today. And that is good news. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Matt. And for our benediction, I want to share with you something from the well-known serenity prayer, not the first part that everybody knows, the God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, but kind of the last part of it. And it goes like this, trusting that God will make all things right if I surrender to his will. Amen.